Welcome to Kinetic Conversations. I am Jim Sparrow, and it's a pleasure to be talking today about a new piece that we'll be presenting, Dracula, which I know is not new to the ballet world, but it's new to Fort Wayne, and we're thrilled to be able to put it on the stage. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking to Karen Gibbons-Brown, the artistic director, who will be talking with Tracy Tritz, the choreographer, and then I'll be back to talk with Amanda Carrick, Amber Bailey, and David Claypool, all principal dancers who are dancing various roles in this upcoming production. Hello, I'm Karen Gibbons-Brown, the Artistic Director of Fort Wayne Ballet, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing Tracy Tritz, our resident choreographer and ballet master, to talk a little bit about an upcoming performance that we're having. She's actually created a world premiere for us for Dracula. So I'm so glad that you're here with us today at Kinetic Conversations, Tracy. Thank you for having me. Pleased, so pleased. Tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the work in that a couple of years ago when I mentioned perhaps almost two now, two mm-hmm. years, we talked about perhaps doing a Dracula. You seem to be excited. So tell me a little bit about what that was about and your inspiration. Well, I was definitely very excited. I think for those people that know my work know that I really like layered characters and sometimes a little bit of the darker layered characters. I love the book uh, and I really, really wanted to use the book to bring it to life more so than the movies. and. It was funny, a few weeks before you had asked me, I had just a thought in the back of my mind of a composer that I really love, but his music tends to be a little bit darker, so it's not always appropriate for a lot of situations, and wanted to really find something to use his music for. And then you actually asked me of Dracula, about Dracula, a couple of weeks later, and it was just like it was meant to be. So, and that music, it was a complete inspiration knowing that I was going to be using him, or very likely going to be using him. And uh, then getting to go back and really dissect the book and really kind of just immerse myself in it was just so fun and so, so exciting. So who is the composer that you've chosen? Uh, I have chosen Alfred Schnitka for the composer. He has some very dark music, but he has a lot of music. So there's a lot of choice with his music and a lot of variety and a lot of versatility from really beautiful music to very, very dark and odd music. And I thought that between the amount of material that he had and the content of it, that it would be an easy score to put together. I don't want to say easy because it's not. It takes a lot of time to dig through all of that music, but I felt that there was enough music that it would be easy to put a score together of just solely his music. Well, and I've been lucky enough to hear some of the music in the rehearsal room as I'm in another room doing a whole other ballet completely. And I've noticed the variance in his work, and I'm sure that helps to layering the characters. Is there any thematic music that you're using of his that indicates every time you hear it, it's a specific character? There is. There's a couple of places where you'll hear Dracula's theme come in, which is actually the very first thing that you'll hear in the whole ballet. And then there's a couple other moments where you'll hear versions of it or times where it comes into the music that usually is an introduction of Dracula being in there. Uh, Another place that I have chosen to 
use an interesting mix is he has two pieces of music that are very similar. One is a reprise and one is just really beautiful and melodic and beautiful for a romantic pas de deux. And the other version of it actually brings in more of the harpsichord and some of the darker elements. So I thought it was a really interesting way of having Dracula with Lucy, where Lucy just gets proposed to and it's this beautiful romantic pas de deux. And then Dracula kind of ruins that for her by using the same music with a darker theme to it. So there's things in there where you can see layered themes and reuses of phrasing and themes. There are so many variations of the story of Dracula. And I believe that you are sticking pretty closely to the book. I am, yes. I I love the story. I love the way Dracula is represented in the Bram Stoker novel. He's very different from a lot of the movie versions of Dracula. He is very aristocratic. He is well-spoken, extremely intelligent, a man of the ages, very noble, loves to talk about his background. He can walk around in the sun. That's actually not in the novel. That's more of a movie thing that's been done to Dracula. So it's a very different, very layered character. And you see moments where in his interaction with the Weird Sisters and with Harker, where you can tell that he really was human at one point in time, but that's sort of been lost amongst his evil way of gaining immortality. So I really wanted to use that Dracula as opposed to more of the the Hollywood Dracula. So in that creation, often when you create a work, you take a lot of artistic latitude with your creation to make it what you need it to be. So where was your true north, and where did you take the artistic latitude? Any novel that you're turning into a shorter piece of work, such as a movie or a ballet, a play even, there's just some things that you're going to have to either change a little bit or eliminate because you can't possibly fit all the content in and you can't recreate it. And that's the beautiful thing about novels is you're limitless in what you can do, but as soon as you make that tangible, you become a little bit more limited. So... Really, I tried to stay as close to the story of the book as possible with a little bit of changing maybe where people met up with each other or who was in a particular scene might not have been in the book, but they are there just for continuity and and different things like that. But I've really tried to stay as close to the book as possible. Interesting. You know, with so many variations of this out there through Hollywood, as you say, and through other actually other ballets mm-hmm. doing the same thing. I'm really curious. And just a side note, you know, in thinking about a Dracula for Fort Wayne Ballet, I had visited several companies to look at their Draculas, and I didn't find one that was right for us. So we're so grateful that you're creating one for us that is right for us and so much a part of our community. So we're grateful to you. Well, thank you. I'm extremely honored to be doing it. A lot of people are unaware of what goes into a creation. They just see the finished product, or even the dancers just see what you take into the room with you to work with them. What is the background? What is it that you do before you even get in the room to start creating? Well, as you said, we actually talked about this close to two years ago at this point in time, and I really knew that the first big adventure was kind of going to be two parallels. 
rereading the book in a different facet. So instead of reading it for entertainment, you're actually reading it to dissect and figure out exactly how you're going to map out a, a production from it. And along with that, getting music kind of right off the bat was the first thing that I knew I needed to to find to get a score together or start putting a score together. So those were pretty much the two first elements that I started to focus on. And then shortly thereafter, we started having costume conversations. So Nan Passamata, who does all of our costumes so brilliantly and so beautifully, we started speaking and pulling books and things from the internet of turn of the century, where and you know what what I felt the characters would be best in with their particular personalities. And so sending pictures back and forth. Uh, looking through books, kind of meeting with one another, getting idea of what she thought would be good, what I was looking for. And then you start looking at what you're going to need as far as sets and props. We knew that we would need a bed as a lot of this happens. The biting of the females happens at night. And there's the asylum portion of it. And you know you're going to need a coffin for Dracula. So <laughs> you're going to need some graveyards and some coffins and the weapons that they need to fight Dracula at the end. And, and so it's, it's definitely a very all-encompassing thing when you start to get into it. There's a lot of little details that people just don't realize how much time goes into it. I know even during our time off with the quarantine, that actually was a lot of time spent in meetings for lighting and scene changes and what we were all going to need for this and what we were going to need for that and mapping out the actual production. So yeah, it's, it's an undertaking. Indeed. To the point of special things that you might need, the dance part I'm sure is easy, creating the movement patterns and sentences for the dancers. But there are a lot of parts to the story that may not necessarily immediately lend themselves to dance movement. How difficult has that been? And how are you managing some of those? We don't have Hollywood magic. How are you managing some of those things? Well, fortunately, the dancers are really, really good in their particular parts. So the parts that are a little bit more acting and pantomime, they do an, just an excellent job portraying the story. You know, the sets alone and the props really help to tell the story. So making sure that you have the things that are needed for the doctors to have, you know, the medical bags and the blood transfusion props and, you know, the coffins and how we're going to be able to pull some of the the, the magic off on stage. I don't want to give it away too much. No, please don't. But, <laughs> but talking through that, I mean, we, we have really good ideas of the visuals that we can do just with a lot of creative set designers. So I think for the most part, between really good acting by the dancers, which they've been brilliant with, and really good set design, it's going to be fairly clear what we're trying to get across. And then we'll always put a synopsis in the playbill for those who aren't necessarily completely familiar with Dracula, and more importantly, this Dracula, as it is more book-based instead of movie-based or even other ballet-based. And if I'm not mistaken, this will be the first production for Wayne Ballet is done with virtual sets. Yes. Which should be interesting as well. It will be. We will be using projection for a lot of the background. So this is new to us. Um, it gives us a really beautiful way of being able to change scenes quickly because there are a lot of scene changes in Dracula that would be very difficult to be bringing backdrops up and down with quickly. So this gives us the ability to change scenes quickly and only have to really worry about props and sets as opposed to drops and flies as well. 
So in creating the characters with the dancers, talking them through what that would be, how, what was that process like? I think we've done a pretty good job in rehearsal. Fortunately, I had a little bit of time last year in the sneak preview to kind of get some of them involved in their characters, but I do spend time in rehearsal for those of them that don't really understand the book characters, really explaining what their parts are and you know what they should be representing and the way they should be feeling towards each other in this whole thing. And I, I mean, all of us have a little bit of an idea of who we want to use ahead of time. So there are some that just fit the personalities that you're looking for and you know that they would be a good match. And from there, the acting portion of it tends to come easy when you have the right people in the right roles. Agreed. What would you like our audiences to take away from this performance? I just want them to be completely entertained. I want them to be completely immersed in it from the beginning to the end because it is such a great story. And, and though it's dark, it has some really lovely moments in it as well. Unfortunately, none of those moments really seem to end up in the happily ever after, but <laughs> there, there are some fun moments in there with the proposals and the suitors and, and Jonathan and Mina reuniting and, and the bond that these men and Mina share when they've been through all of this together and they've had to fight and defeat this evil character. So though it's dark, I, I really hope that they take away that bond that builds throughout the entire thing and kind of the versatility in the story, the layers of the story. The story. Yeah. A world premiere. That's big for any organization of any size. How are you feeling about that? Oh, man, I've been nervous. <laughs> <laughs> nervous, nervous from the beginning, nervous even more so. The hope was that we were going to be able to get started a little bit at the end of last year, and clearly that wasn't really able to happen. So it's been a little bit less time than I thought I would have, but they'll be great. And I am i mean, I'm nervous, but I'm excited. What a complete honor and what a completely new, new stage for me because I'm used to doing generally shorter ballets, mm -hmm. you know, and so this is this is a new experience, but I love it and I love the challenge. So wonderful. Fear, terror, excitement, <laughs> nervousness. Healthy fear. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> Healthy fear is sometimes good, right? Yes. Again, we're so grateful for you offering this to the ballet, Tracy. Thank you for being with us today. Dracula opens October 29th for five performances, including 11 p.m. performances on Friday, October 30th, and Halloween night, October 31st, at the Arts United Center. We're pleased today to have three of the dancers who will be in the upcoming production for Dracula. Amanda Carrick, Amber Bailey, and David Claypool all company dancers with Fort Wayne Ballet's professional company. Dancers, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks right, for having us. Yeah. So let's just start talking a little bit about the characters. So I know that Karen and Tracy talked a little bit about the production and what went into how Tracy's putting it together and how she's looking at this production. But this is a production that people think they already know, whether they're looking at the literal translation or some rendition that they're familiar with. But let's start by having each of you talk maybe about the characters that you play and how they maybe drive the story. So, Amber, do you want to start? Sure. So I play the character of Lucy, and she is first introduced. She's faced with three suitors who are eventually looking to marry her. She decides to choose Arthur Holmwood, and Lucy ends up getting bit by Dracula and meets him in a graveyard. And that begins the process of Dracula turning her into a vampire, which eventually kills Lucy. They try to 
provide her with a blood transfusion and it doesn't work. And then eventually she gets beheaded. That's the only way to truly kill a vampire in the story. So, Amanda, tell us about your character. Sure. Mine, I guess, is a little less gruesome. Um, I'm the character Mina, who is Jonathan Harker's wife. And she is basically writing a lot of letters, listening to Jonathan Harker's experience at Dracula's castle, and then also documenting what happens to Lucy while she's turned into a vampire and then eventually killed. So she's really an observer and kind of documenting this whole experience. And Dracula eventually takes revenge and charts to turn her also into a vampire. And it sort of develops this bond that enables everyone else to hunt Dracula down and um, eventually kill him. So I'd say it's a pretty influential part of the story. So we've talked about the two leading ladies, and now we've turned it over to Dracula. That's your role, right, David? Yes, that I do get to play Dracula, and it's a, a very interesting role to play. He's not your modern-day vampire in our story. He's, he can walk in the sun. He is kind of normal in society, but everybody knows him and is a little shunned of of him because they know he's powerful, especially in his hometown when he initially meets Harker, uh, Mina's uh, fiance and husband. So you get to see him go through and meet these characters and women and kind of show you his nice side, but then also the deviousness that eventually follows from him going to London and biting and turning Lucy into a vampire and then taking eventually revenge on Mina for everything that Harker and all these other characters have done. So you get to see him go through a roller coaster of, uh, I'm secure in my hometown, to adventures in a new land, and then eventually realizing that this new land isn't as nice to him as he would like. So of the three of you, how many of you were familiar with the story specifically, the novel, before you actually did this in terms of putting the production together? I was not familiar with this particular version of Dracula. I would say that I was more familiar with a lot of the pop culture references to him and the general ideas that vampires couldn't go in the light and whatnot. So a lot of new information when I heard that this was the story that we were taking after and then having to work with my new ideas of what being a vampire was. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really experienced this version of the story before. Like I've seen a lot of the classic film noir sort of versions of Dracula, like Nosferatu and those sort of things, but I hadn't really actually looked at the story itself and how it was written in letters and stuff. And Tracy's really been doing a great job explaining to us what the story is and bringing context every time we rehearse. I agree. I was not familiar with the story, but upon learning that it was based off of the novel, did my research online, trying to get just some background context and information as to where the story was progressing and how the characters were evolving. Has this changed, uh, having learned this story basically through the choreography and Tracy sort of filling you in, but now you have insights into what the novel is, are you, any of you interested in actually reading the novel now? Or do you feel like, you know, you know enough about it now that you probably could write the version too? So where do you feel on that? I still, I'm kind of not inclined to read it. Maybe, maybe after. I don't want it to like influence too much like Tracy's version of this story. So maybe after. Well, that's kind of interesting segue too. I'd be curious, 
you guys are putting together characters, characters that are telling a story. How does that really play into sort of this? I mean, this is not your prince and princess type of role. It's a very different kind of thing. There's a lot of preconceived ideas in people's heads about these characters that they you know, may have seen in various things. So how do you see creating these characters? How do you go about doing that for this, knowing that you've got all of that to sort of work through? I think that's actually one of the beauties of ballet and the arts is that you're given a character and you're given some reference points as to how the choreographer is expecting that character to be portrayed but it's actually the artist who takes like a part of them and can relate to their past experiences and how they would kind of react in those situations and bring a little piece of them to the stage which I think is a beauty of creating a new work. Yeah I agree with that it's a lot of yourself goes into the character I would say using like what Amber said how would this person react in this situation is similar to how I would react. And it's really unique being able to express that only visually, physically, rather than um, orally. I find that a lot of times the choreography will influence how we interact with one another. If someone does a movement toward you that might be more aggressive than the day before, you have to be able to react to that and still bring your character forth and how would that particular character come across at that moment and are you this extremely villainous at this point or extremely scared and then how does that therein affect the other dancer and their interpretation of their character therein. So really the subtleties that happen in the choreography as well as the overarching points that the choreographer is making for us give us the wiggle room that we can to interpret how we wish to respond and get our personal emotions as characters and artists on stage to then the audience. So taking a little bit of time to maybe explore a little further, this is a different kind of role. I mean, it's not, as we said, it's not a more traditional role with pantomime and various, it's different. So where do you see that as it relates to, is it fun? Is it challenging? And if it's either of those two things, why? Compared to maybe if we're doing a story ballet or something else that's that's different. It really goes, it for certain characters it really delves into, Dracula in particular, delves into this animalistic side of him and going into some very uh, rudimentary like emotions like infatuation for just for the sake of he wants somebody, he's going to go get them. And how does that read on stage and being almost a monster about it yet trying to hide that, rein that in at the same time. He has a mask that he'll put on to hide his true intentions and then after, after that, revealing what those true intentions are and seeing what physicality that is to hiding it and then also eventually revealing it and how dark can that be uh, and how dark can it be shown. I think it's a fun challenge to be um, just an everyday person as a character on stage. There's a certain difference in posture versus like if I'm a princess princesses move a very specific way on the stage and for the character of Mina I kind of have to figure out how does an everyday person move on the stage um, how does this character move on the stage and set herself apart from yes I'm still a ballet dancer on the stage not just a pedestrian so that's an interesting challenge. So you're consciously thinking about that really thinking about I'm a ballet dancer but I'm portraying this character so that's going through your head? Kind of well I don't want to look like too posed right. sometimes but often that helps 
clarify my body language, like how I'm feeling as the character on, in that moment. Um, so there's clarity in specific movements, but I don't want to be too held, too posture-like, as then it separates myself from the actual character. So this character is a human being, everyday person. I don't want to change it to be some sort of aristocratic figure or whatever based on my body language. So this question is for all of you too. This is a new piece. So it's not like restaging Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty with whosoever version is that someone is restaging it based on everything from the port bra to the steps to even the costume potentially you'll be you know, wearing. How does that feel? I mean, is this something you like? Is it something, everybody has strengths and weaknesses in terms of being pushed and pulled. I'm just curious, this is a new piece. What does that feel like for you as dancers compared to something that's being set on you that's more traditional? Amber? There's something about being a part of the creation process that's really special. As a dancer, you have some degree of input into steps, what feels comfortable, what works naturally with you while also taking input from the front of the room. So it's a very fluid relationship between the choreographer and dancer. That's something that's not always seen when you have a set piece that has to look this certain way. There's a lot of creativity that goes into the process on both ends. It's very special to be a part of an original work. Mm -hmm. Do the two of you agree? Do you feel the same way or do you have different? Yeah, yeah. It's like she said, you're helping drive the choreography and um, it's very specific to how each dancer moves. I feel sometimes, yes, yeah, she'll have an idea in her head what she wants the movement to look like. <laughs> sometimes I'll make mistakes in something that she just told me to do, and then she'll be like, oh, I actually like what you did. Let's keep that. And so sometimes mistakes actually turn into choreography, and that's kind of fun. I, the question kind of like brings up memories for me when I was a kid because I would see all of everybody doing these new works and eventually get into their costumes and I would have the name on it. Oh, this is the dancer that was on stage when they started it. And so it's really an honor to, for me to feel like I'm going to be the first one to put on this costume. This is kind of like I get to start this and then pass it on to potentially generations. And that's really a fun idea that you get to really just start off uh, – the ball rolling for people that want to dance and things like that and inspire them just like I was inspired. So it's fun when that kind of just happens through this creative process of creating new works and uh, getting to uh, influence all of these people and let them have a fun time enjoying what's on stage. So as we all sit here in masks, it's a weird time. When we talked about doing this piece a year and a half ago, we didn't know we'd be in this particular time, as nobody did. But as you're creating something new, um, I'm sure you'll remember it for being new, but this has to be something that you'll remember in a different way. So how has that sort of affected this experience? I know from the standpoint of distancing a mask, I get that part. But mentally and how you look at the situation as opposed to maybe without having this, does it help with relating to the story? Does it make it more indelible in a different way? I'm just curious as you know, you're going through life too and we're doing something creative. So how is the time we're living in right now, how is that affecting how you're going through your, your work? I guess, uh, I guess when doing this particular piece and doing all these ballets, I still think that it's, uh, I'm still kind of in a normal routine, even though I'm still social distancing as well as wearing masks to continue to do this. And maybe I may be dancing with a little more 
not being able to breathe as much through the masks, but that's I'm I'm gaining cardio in my opinion. <laughs> and so when we did the first show this year, it was really nice to be able to be on stage and have so much more oxygen than normal when we had our masks off versus then being in studios and wearing them. I was like, oh, this is nice. Uh, but still, the, it's it, that's how the masks affect us. But it, when I'm in rehearsal for Dracula and there's a lot of biting, a lot of that, I'm still kind of doing that even though the mask is more or less biting the partner versus my actual teeth. Right. And I and so it's... And so I'm still trying to do the movements as full out as possible and and still hiss at people maybe as well as being a vampire. <laughs> um, even though the mask is on, they're still doing things as full out as we can, even though there's something over my face. I know for me, I probably am a little bit more anxious every day just about everything. I feel like everyone is experiencing more anxiety and maybe that just adds to a lot of effort that goes into each day. As well as what David said with the mess, you are it's a little bit harder, but you know, still do it because we want to keep dancing and um, working closely together. It's been funny because, like you said, we we go to like make the biting movements with our mouths and can't really tell that's happening. <laughs> I think it's just special that while we are dealing with all these extra challenges, at the end of the day, we are still able to perform and do what we love to do. And there's so many companies right now in the country that are closed down. They're still not able to get into studios. So throughout all the hardships and struggles that this time brings, it's easy to get wrapped up in those. But at the end of the day, if you can remind yourself that you're still able to do what you love every day, I think that's something that's very important to keep in your mind. Well, I think anybody who's listening probably shares in a level of anxiety. It's not a time that we really know completely what's going on. But I will say, you know, thank you to the three of you and the rest of the company. Um, it's nice to be, when we were in the diversions in the hall, to actually be in a, in a theater masked up to hear applause again and see people react after six or seven months of not. It's really kind of a nice opportunity to sort of share in an experience, an arts experience, and also know that eventually we'll be back to doing this in the theaters the way we'd like to be doing. So, you know, it's, again, thank you to uh, the three of you and the rest of the company. And with that, thanks for the listeners for being with us today as well. So again, Dracula opens October 29th through the 31st at the Arch United Center. You can purchase tickets by calling Arts Ticks at 422-4226. And we're asking you to call because with the social distancing, that will actually allow you to be placed in a situation with those who you're comfortable with and keep the distancing. We also have a number of protocols you can check out on our website and by uh, visiting Arch United in terms of how the experience will flow for you. And we look forward to seeing you all. That's our show. It's brought to you by Fort Wayne Ballet and with the support of the University of St. Francis. Our guests were Fort Wayne Ballet company dancers Amanda Carrick, Amber Bailey, David Claypool, and choreographer Tracy Tritz, as well as artistic director Karen Gibbons-Brown. My co-producers for this series are John Dawkins and Julius Sheppis-Lee. I'd also like to thank John for the original theme music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the program. To learn more about the ballet and hear our podcast, please visit us at fortwayneballet.org. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet. has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout.